Do you want me to announce? I don't care. Okay. Hi. My name is Jim Noka, and I'd like to welcome you to Knife Journal Podcast, Episode 18. I'm here with my compadre and good buddy and all-around decent individual, <laughs> Kyle Verstig. You give me too much credit. Yeah, you're all right. Deer Slayer. Deer Slayer. Yeah, yeah. I, Deer Slayer. Um, corrector of injustices, physical injustices. Yeah, Bambi was, uh, he was uh, perpetrating, had to fix that situation there. <laughs> he was, he was, he was, uh, let's see, he was pretending to be not meat in your freezer? Yep, yep. <laughs> and so you just corrected that situation and made him meat in your freezer? Yep, yep. So you want to hear a funny story about that? I always want to hear a funny story. So we go hunting on uh, Saturday, last Saturday. We sit out there all day and don't see anything. And we come out uh, Sunday morning. Of course, we're getting pretty desperate because there's, you know, we want our deer for the year. And uh, we're out there Sunday morning and uh, gets to be about 9 in the morning, been up in the stand for, you know, almost three hours and it's like freezing cold and all this. So we decide that we're going to push and walk this prairie, which is an L-shaped kind of section of land, probably 40 or 50 acres or something like that. I have my buddy start at one end, and I started at the other, and we walked towards each other. And uh, lo and behold, uh, along comes a deer, because uh, the prairie is bordered by a fence, and then there's an open cornfield that's been plowed on the other side. So the deer had it in mind that he was going to jump up from from uh, the prairie and run down that fence line, uh, be able to jump back into the grass if he needed to, but his goal was to get to the woods that were just at the end of the prairie that I'd just walked from. So he's running, and actually it's a, a doe, um, but I'm just going to say he is the generic he. So he's running down this fence line, and I'm like, I'm like uh, 20 yards inside the grass so that I can still see that lane there, but um, mm -hmm. I, I didn't want him to be able to see me all that well. So he runs over the top of this hill, and I see him there, and he stops, and he kind of looks, what's all that? <laughs> yeah, that is that is Stormy with his little milk cow that's got a squeaky in it that I wish he would pull it out. Go on. Really? I thought we, like, tried to get all of these, like, miscellaneous noises controlled today. <laughs> you know, I guess it just isn't going to be a podcast without the interruption of this stupid ass. Stop! So, so anyway, this deer comes over the hill and stops and looks at me. And I didn't have, like, a clear shot, and I was going to wait for it to come a little closer... It's probably 50 yards or so. And uh, it kind of looks over into the field like it's going to hop the fence. So I took a shot, and, um, like, I smoked it on the first shot, but I didn't know that at the time. and Because I'm not nearly as confident this year because of the frickin' ammo shortage. I haven't shot as much as I usually do. You know, I usually go out to South Dakota and shoot 800 rounds at Prairie Dogs at at huge high distances and when you do that 
and you do all your other shooting in addition to that, you're pretty confident that you're going to hit what you're aiming at. And so right. I shot, and I smoked him, but I wasn't confident. And this deer, like, decides it's going to bolt into the prairie and runs, like, directly in front of me, but it's in grass, and I'm getting a... If anybody knows what uh, big blue stem is, I'm getting, like, this picture of a deer here, no deer, a deer here. So I shot three more times at it in rapid succession because I was just not going to stop shooting until the thing was down. And, and it was like, bang, 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 like that quick, as fast as I could, you know, uh, reload the gun and all that. And I use a 870 Express. So mm-hmm. anyway, this thing, I shot three more times and I finally see the thing go down and I get up to it and it was literally, at that point, it was probably 30 yards away from me. So the time it took me to walk 30 yards, it was like stone cold dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it had, uh, so I'm looking at it, and you could drop a beer can through the first shot that I made right through the heart and lungs. But the stupid thing kept running. And, you know, I wasn't confident in my first shot, which that's on me. So we got to, and that, and I I. I look looking at him. I didn't think I hit him anymore, which was surprising. But then I go to skin him. I, I'm skinning him out, and I see that out of those two, three additional shots, I hit him tw- twice more. <laughs> A running deer. <laughs> I hit him two more times. Um, and it's funny because I was like joking with my uncle that I was going to blow his little Bambi leg off if he walked in front of me. Well, one shot hit him just behind his rib cage. And the other shot blew his, blew his back leg off. <laughs> Not literally, nice. but it, it broke his femur, and that's nice. what brought him down eventually. So you can blame the ammo shortage in DHS for my shooting the thing two more times. <laughs> but, uh, well, that's more than I shot this year, that's for sure. Yeah, it's, I didn't even see it. I, I saw a deer opening night. Actually, I saw three deer opening night. It was a, a, a big doe and two fawns, two yearlings, I would say. Huh. And, and that was it. That was all the deer that I saw. Huh. I We have a couple um, housekeeping issues um, we should talk about. Let's see. Uh, I got a um, I got a couple questions by email and Facebook and such. And one question came from one of my naughty cousins, and um, he's one of your naughty cousins. Yeah, yeah. And he's uh, he's about my age. He's a couple years older than me, and he's like um, he's like a bishop in the Mormon Church. Like he's like shut up. No, he's like all churched up, and he's got. Does he have? Does he have like five wives? No, he, they don't do that anymore. <laughs> At least not the officially recognized ones. I <laughs> know he's got one wife, but he's got like thirteen thousand kids, right? Like they just have a huge family. There's so many of them you can't tell them apart. How like, do you know? What do you How mean? do you know he's only got one wife? Because I I grew up with him, and he lives like <laughs> forty five minutes from me. I'm pretty sure I know. <laughs> You're gonna offend the <laughs> shit out of a bunch of Mormons here. Excuse my language, but no, they don't. They don't do that. Okay, and, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't mean to be offensive. I kind of no, like the idea. But. Well, actually, well, it, we're gonna we're gonna address some offensive issues that we've had here very shortly. But anyway, he he calls me or he texts me and sends me a Facebook thing, and and he's got like 
15,000 kids, and so he can't be spending a bunch of money on, like, knives. And he wanted to buy, he's got three older boys that he wanted to buy uh, knives for that they would keep forever, uh, and they were going to come from his dad or my uncle, right? And so he's like, well, I want to spend about 50 bucks, and I want it to be something that they're going to keep and use and that will be useful for him. And his initial thought was he wanted something with a locking blade. And I'm like, well, um, you you probably bought a knife when you were in late college, and you probably still have it. What is it? He's like, well, I bought a, I was on the, at the Fiesta Bowl or something, and I bought a, because uh, he was in the band at University of Iowa, he played trumpet. He, he bought a, um, at the Fiesta Bowl, he was like in Mexico or something, and he bought a, uh, a Victorinox whatever model because it was 15 bucks cheaper than he could get it here, and he still has it. I'm like, well, there's your answer because I bought, when I was in uh, high school, a Victorinox Huntsman. Um, that is still around, and pretty much all of the my dog is going to start snoring now, so we're having <laughs> we're having pet issues today. Um, so it's not just all my fault and my dog. So notice no. my dogs are quiet today. Yeah, they you must have given them a, a Mickey them. or something. Muzzled them. <laughs> yeah, they were chasing a plow truck this morning. Just chasing my plow truck as I was driving around the driveway. Yeah, they got plenty of exercise in. So what yep. I told them to do was get um, three Victorinox uh, Huntsman or three Victorinox Fieldmasters. Difference being that the Huntsman has a, a, a wine corker, and him being Mormon and them being Mormon, they're never going to use that. So probably the better option for them would be uh, the. Um, Fieldmaster, which has a uh, Phillips screwdriver on there, and it's it's a great. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> great option for under fifty bucks. I think you can pick one up for like thirty six bucks at at most of the online knife places. So that was one question. Uh, let's see. Another question um, that came from a friend of mine now, on Facebook. Just yep. back back up a little bit. You yeah. you see I never had a I never had a uh, one <clears throat> a Victor Knox that I carried in high school. Hmm. That was my regular carry. I carried a Buck 110 in high school. Well, I did before that. Um, but I and I I've got a story about that Buck 110 that you And I, and I still have that. I still have that. Well, Buck so do I. Um, mm-hmm. but uh I'll I'll, I'll tell you are, about my those Buck Those can be gotten for 50 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, but um, I, th- I think they're going to get more use, uh, and it, I think they're going to get more use out of uh, Victorinox um, Huntsman or Fieldmaster. At least I did, and I still mm-hmm. do because I, mm-hmm. I mean it's got all of the stuff on there. Especially if you go camping, it's got a can opener, it's got um, scissors on there, and I use the scissors all the time. You know. Whereas the Buck 110, it's it's a knife, you know, and I like it, but it's not, it doesn't have quite the utility in my hands that a Victorinox does. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, six of one, half a dozen of the other. If it were me, I would get them the Victorinox knife, as it's something they'll keep forever and use mm-hmm. forever. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. the The second um, question I got was. Uh, from one of my Facebook friends. He probably doesn't want me saying his name. Um, but uh, 
he's he's got a bunch of different questions, um, but the one that I'm going to answer right now is uh, he says the second thing is more of a personal issue. Namely, I have dirt time, but a huge limitation was in the quality of gear that was often one size must fit all. At this point, I'm learning more about quality gear and its selection. The biggest problem is the gear carrying methods, or simply put, backpacks. You've been a lot of places that you can't baby your gear. So how do you choose what size is enough to not overpack? Do your packs get used for multiple things, like different EDC, day hikes, longer trips, etc.? Or do you have separate ones for each of those? And what brands can you recommend based on your experience? Well, I'm going to do one better than that. I'm going to give you a recommendation for a complete kit, since this is the Christmas season, a complete kit of good quality gear, but not boutique gear, um, that uh, is you know, kind of mid-range in price as far as gear goes that will last you forever. And the reason I know it will last you forever is that I'm still buying mine that I bought in high school, or still using mine that I bought in high school. So um, the, the, the person that I have in mind for this uh, selection of gear is somebody that wants to, like, maybe do a little backpacking, maybe take some trips up to the Boundary Waters or to other places, you know, like week-long outing, something like that. Maybe do some car camping, you know, some overnighters, things like that. Um, so, for a tent, I'm going to recommend a Eureka Timberline 4 tent, um, which comes in at 179 bucks, and they last forever. thing you have to do is make sure that when you're done um, camping with it, that you set it up in your basement and let it air out so it doesn't get mildewy. Um, you should do that with all your tents, not just your Eureka. Alternatively, you can get the two-man tent, um, which is 139 bucks. It just depends on on how you think you're going to use it. I'll tell you from experience that the four-man tent is actually a two-man tent, and the two-man tent is actually a one-man tent. Uh, what what do you think about tents? Do you have any suggestions? You know, I have I have a couple different tents. I actually have a lot of different tents. I know, but but like basic you know mid-range yeah. you know i have a, um i traded a <clears throat> eureka i think it's an it's a eureka it was the one that the marine corps was issuing for a they, while it, for two man be, tents yeah it'd have to be a timberline it, it's going to be their basic a-frame model right no 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 this is a dome tent okay a dome this is a dome type tent it has three i think it has three flexible poles in it okay and i've never you know, it's kind of funny. My kid, my youngest boy, has used it quite a bit. I have never slept in it. Yeah. Um, but he set it up in the yard a couple times. I've looked at it, and, and he really, really likes it. Uh-huh. Me, personally, I have two MSR tents that I really like. Uh-huh. And and one, I think, is, uh, oh, it's a square. It looks like, it kind of looks like a baker tent. Mm-hmm. And it's... um. Uh, obviously it's not a, it's a backpacking tent it is surely not a three season tent or a four season tent it's a three season tent mm-hmm. um, it's a um, uh, it came out originally as one name I want to say it was a hubba maybe a hubba bubba or something like that <laughs> like that bubble gum stuff <laughs> yeah well it was hang on a second it's it's kind of It's kind of uh, one of those things that I, I like the tent. I've always thought it was kind of a cool tent. 
It's not a back. It's not a hubba bubba either. It's a shoot. I'm looking at the images so I can see which one it is. It's basically it's a square box and it's a two person tent and it's it's just not two person that you want to. I mean, if it's raining, you're you know you're kind of stuck in there. Yeah. And it and it's and so it's not that big. Yeah. Uh, so if you use that in conjunction with another fly and it was raining, you'd probably be a lot more comfortable. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I'm, I'm I'm zipping down through here and I'm not finding one damn picture of the stupid tent. Huh. That's just annoying. But it's a nice lightweight. It's a square box basically. Okay. And uh, there it is. There it is. They call it the missing link. And if you get a chance, look at it. It's kind of a nice tent. Um, very simple to, to put up. Two poles. You can use you can use tracker poles okay. to set it up. Um, and it, and it's it, it's actually quite roomy. If you're by yourself, it's got a lot of room in uh-huh. it. Um, but if I'm by myself, I have another like it's another one called a something wing by MSR, and there's no floor in it. Oh, so it'd be an E-wing or something like that. Yeah, that's just yep. a, that's just a sill nylon tarp, basically. Yep, yep. Yeah. But it's it's got spots to put, you know. Yeah, yeah. Stuff in, but 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 the um, but the other one is is you know when you pack it up, it's about the size of a pair of shoes. Uh huh. You know. Yeah. And uh, it's a it's just a great all around. Yeah. Well, with the with the Eureka Timberline, what you got to understand is it's not an ultralight tent. It's like, and it's not hot, super high end gear, but it absolutely will work, and it absolutely will last you a long time. Well, and, I, you know what? I wouldn't say that that Eureka is not high end gear. Well, if you if you're getting a if you're going to I mean, if it's you're going to get a four man tent and you want high end, you're going to get a north north face. Uh, um, mountain tent, which is their expedition grade, and that's a five hundred and sixty dollar tent or something. Yeah. So Eureka is Eureka is not low end. It's it's more like I would say middle. Um, I but, don't think you can buy them at Walmart. No, you can't. Um, well, and actually, the funny thing is, is like you really don't need to spend a huge amount of money on the tent, um, because there's not one that I would say is that much more waterproof or whatever proof than the next. Right. Um, and in fact, see, and that's the whole key. I to me, to me, I would rather have a really good sleeping pad. Yeah. And a really good sleeping bag. Well, and I, I would rather have a hammock and a tarp, to be honest. Um, yeah. But, but, um, but we're talking, you know, beginner. You know, yeah. Your ass would like, freeze your. You would freeze your ass off up here in a hammock. Oh, you can't. I, I wouldn't do it in the winter. Up there, what I'd do is I'd have my tarp, and I'd have my sleeping pad, and I'd set up a right. little uh, the right. tarp, and I'd have a long, long fire lay, and right. I'd be toasty warm. Um, but uh, so then, um, so that's my thoughts on tents um, for, you know, no nonsense, no bullshit, no 101st Chairborne recommendation. This is the real recommendation, and they're not paying me. So Did you say 101st Chairborne? Yeah. You know, the, the internet commandos. That's um, funny. Anyway, so that's the tent. I will will say that you can do just fine with a, a Walmart tent because a, a Coleman, like twenty dollar, uh, Walmart tent went all the way across South America with us. So, right, you're fine. And with and whatever. and those Coleman and and to be funny about it, the Coleman tents, 
If you were going to pay 20 bucks for a tent and use it for two weeks and then throw it out, yeah, you don't have to. You, anything more than one trip out of it is a, is a is a pretty good well, value. Well, this stupid this stupid Coleman tent went all the way across South America. Yeah, a whole year, and that's not easy conditions. I mean, that's nope. like the real deal stuff there. Okay, so now moving on to a sleeping bag, you're probably going to want to get a sleeping bag. My recommendation is to go with Slumberjack and pick a bag that's going to meet your likely climate requirements, okay? Most of them are under $50, and their most expensive one is under $100. Uh, yeah, and, and, and get, get a long on one. What, get a real long one. Get it Get it for, like, giant-sized people is what I would say. And it also depends on what kind of – you got to remember, what are you going to be doing with it? Are you going to be packing it? Yeah. Are you going to be carrying it in a car? Um, are you going to be carrying it in a polk? <clears throat> right. Are you going to be dragging it behind you while you're snowshoeing, cross-country skiing, snowmobiling? you got to, you know, really identify what it is you're going to, the, the type of temperature yeah, that you're going to like, be in. Yeah, the likely scenario, likely stuff, but your max out-of-pocket is going to be 100 bucks. Right. And you're going to get a thing that lasts forever. And how do I know that? Because the one that I bought in high school is still my usual um, sleeping bag. Um, if you want to spend a little bit more money and you want something that's very, very versatile and will be good in any kind of conditions that you're ever going to camp in from from jungle all the way through Arctic. And again, how do I know that? Because I've been there. I've done that. And it's you get the uh, military sleep system. It's It comes with a stuff sack and then it's got like um, uh, like Two, two or three different bags, and then a cover, and that's and good. One all of the, the way. things, one of the things that you have got to remember with that is this: you can't, you got to get the absolutely biggest one yeah. that they make because they run small. Yeah, and that's that's the other thing. Make the bivy, sure. the bivy, not so much, but the but the the system. I've never been able to use it. With both with both bags in the same bivy. Yeah. It's always been the black bag or the green bag yeah. in the bivy. And what I what I've done is if it was cold and I was using the black bag, I would put a whoopie in with me. Yeah. Yeah. But, well, uh, you know, I in the in then that's what I'm going to bring on our um on our uh, you know our our little thing. Our here. trip. So that that military sleep system right now, there's tons of them on Amazon. Here's one that's new in bag for 167 bucks. Okay, so yep. if you want to is spend that all a, three bags? That's everything. It's the four. No sh. So no it's got shit. it's got all the bags and well, I own five of them. I own five, one for every nice. single member of my family because it's, nice. it's it is the thing. Um, yeah. As, as that far as that I'm baby bag, that baby bag is actually. You know, I was talking to my kid about this, and and uh, uh, he said that his whole unit would go out, and they wouldn't. That's all it would take. Yeah, was was a bivy bag and a whoopie. Yeah, <laughs> that was it. They didn't take anything else. Yeah, and and uh, and they were just fine. Yeah, and it's you know you're. you're... Yeah. The, the bivy bag is Gore-Tex, by yeah, the way, and, and and you can actually lay in a puddle of water with it and, you're and fine. not get wet. And again, I know that from experience. Like, yep. So if you want to spend a little bit more money, get the military sleep system. Um, but if you don't want to spend the money, then you're going to be just fine with a slumberjack. Okay, now yep. you need a sleeping pad. And I used to be all crazy about the... Um, 
what are those things, the ones that you blow up? Thermarest. Thermarest. Well, mm-hmm. and I still use them, um, but when I'm doing longer trips and where I have to carry all my gear, I just get a Walmart blue foam sleeping pad. So you're under 10 bucks for that. Okay. Now. And you can get, and you can actually go to an army surplus store and get those isomats. Yeah. For, for like five dollars yeah if that you know so you know if you're going to do a long long trip where you're going to have to carry all your stuff then put the emphasis on weight and get the walmart or the whatever just get a foam pad if you if you're not going to have to hike you know overly long it's probably worth it to spring for and carry the extra weight of a of a um thermarest any thoughts on that Mm-mm. Okay. No, I, I, I like Thermorest. I have a, about a half a dozen of them. I have the real super, super lightweight ones. Yeah. I have the one that I had in Afghanistan. I've got some older ones that I still use. Um, I, they're, they're black. I don't know how, how they're sized, but they're... And then I actually have one from Gander Mountain that's not a Thermorest. And it's the, it's actually the one that I put on a, if I'm gonna, if I'm, have a cot available to me. Uh-huh. I'll, I'll use that one. Like if I'm going somewhere where we're going to be sleeping on cots, I'll bring that that pad. Yeah. Because it's a little bit wider and it fits on a cot really nice. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm surprised, you know, because a lot of times cots, you know, they have metal stuff. They're not usually they don't get the best. They're not made out of the best materials. They're not made out of the you know. Yeah. And there's always stuff that sticks out. You hang your clothes up on it. You you snag stuff on them all the time. Yeah. And that thing's been sitting in a lot of cots, and it's never had a puncture wound. Yep. And well, so, the, the new military cots are bomb ass. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen those, but the ones that the Marines are using are amazing. Yeah. At least the ones that I saw in the Philippines. But um, yeah. No, we had plywood. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I was sleeping on a fucking plywood. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> plywood and and all in Afghanistan, there was no box spring or there was no mat tops of mattresses somewhere th- somewhere in the world there must have been um shipping containers full of mattress top just mattresses because every place that i went had a plywood bunk and a box spring on top of it <laughs> everywhere box springs that's funny yeah now that was your mattress was a box spring i was like what <laughs> <laughs> no i don't think so yeah. i'll sleep on the plywood yeah <laughs> So next, moving on, I'm going to recommend that you buy a Svensaw 21-inch model, which will cost you 36 bucks. It's a bow saw. Uh-huh. Um, I'm recommending that. Any any other thoughts? That's the one that's nope. that's aluminum and it folds the, up. You know, fold goes folds yeah. up into the handle. It's, it's yep. I still have my original one from high school, and I yep. still have my original Thermarest. And you don't even have to. And and to be honest, if you if you're you don't even need anything that that fancy. If you don't if you, if you if you think thirty, what did you say it was thirty six bucks? Yeah, thirty six bucks. You if can, you think you thirty six bucks is too much, you can get a cheap ass one, and it, you know what? You're it'll work. You just be more uncomfortable to carry. Well, and then you know if you want to if you want to go super cheap, just buy the saw blade and make a both a frame right. when you're out in the woods. And I've got videos on how to do that. And you know what's really what's what's funny is you can go to like these dollar bins at Home Depot or Tractor Supply, and you can yeah. find a little bitty saw that's like got a 12 inch blade on it for like 
five dollars, four dollars, something like that. Yeah. You know, and they're you know they're yeah they're not great, but you know what they're they get the job done. If you're not getting out and using it every single day, you're not going to wear it out. Yeah. And if you're if you're relatively careful, you're not going to break it. Yeah. Well, I, I and then I, just coming back to the Sven saw, the reason I recommend that one is that I know it's I know it's the real deal, you know, and so I know it works. I still use mine. I've had mine for since mm-hmm. high school. Okay, so that's now um, you're going to want to get a pocket knife. Okay, I'm going to recommend the Victorinox Fieldmaster. Um, you're just a Victorinox nut. Well, just just for you know, just just for certain things that because mine was my the knife that I used up until you know, and I still use it up up, but up until like a few years ago, I never used a fixed blade for pretty much anything, you know. So yeah, I used a Victorinox Huntsman. I like the Fieldmaster a little better because instead of the corkscrew, it's got a um, Phillips head um, screwdriver on it. Um, you have a recommendation in- for a pocket knife? Yeah, I like a case camper. Yeah, I mean six to one half. <laughs> yeah, again, like you, I want to be different. Yeah, you can't go wrong. Different. Like a case camper, that's the one with the spoon and fork on there. Is that? No, 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 no. The one that's that looks like a Boy Scout knife. Okay. It's got a spear point blade. It's got a leather punch. It's got a. Yeah. It doesn't have the stuff that a Victorinox has on it, but okay. It's so it's it's more in tune with like a Spartan. Yeah. Okay. Here it is. The Junior Scout knife or something yeah. like that. Um, yeah. It's, and then they they also make one um, with the fork and spoon on it. I actually had that knife. Oh yeah, those are I, nice. I loved that thing. So yeah. Hobo you know, knife. you're gonna want to you're gonna want a pocket knife. There's lots to choose from. Just choose something that you like. Um, I like. The scissors, and you know, and you know, you don't have to spend a lot, a ton of money on that stuff. Yeah. You, you know, you can go Victor Knox, you can go ye- yellow Delrin handle on a case knife. You can go yellow, you you can get a Hankles or yeah. one of those other brands and yellow Delrin handles, and you and you know what, you're gonna get a tough, reasonably priced, that fully functional pocket knife that you can do a lot of stuff with. Yeah, you know. The the thing I would also recommend though um, is that you get one that has a can opener on it. Okay, mm-hmm. so the 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 um, the the knife that you're actually thinking of, the Junior Scout pocket knife, um, that one has can opener. It's got an awl. It's got a screwdriver, bottle opener, and a blade. And that's that's plenty of knife, but it's a little more pricey. It's about sixty six bucks. But again, I like case, so I'd pay that. They, do they make that? Do they make that in a yellow Delrin handle, or is it like black? It's bone. The the one that I see is a bone handle, but I mean, you know, you can get them. They're a dime a dozen. You can get them pretty much anywhere, and you'll you'll be able to find a handle that's to your liking. Um, let's see. So you need a knife. Um, you're you're gonna want a mess kit, uh, and however you do that is fine. I I started out with like a Coleman mess kit, and they're they still are great. They still work. You can use them to cook, but mostly you're looking for the ability to eat some stuff out of a communal pot. And that's going to run you about 12 bucks at Walmart. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to camp with a group of people and you want to cook in a very efficient way um, for all of those people, I'm going to recommend that you get just a kettle, an aluminum kettle with a bale handle. And Open Country makes a four-quart aluminum covered kettle for fifteen bucks. 
I'm going to recommend that. <laughs> okay. Uh, you're yeah, gonna, you don't need you don't need to buy MSR. You know, no. most expensive. Uh, just get an aluminum kettle with a bale. The important part is the bale, so that you can hang it over a fire. Uh, take a fork and spoon from your kitchen if you want to splurge. Um, get a Snow Peak titanium spork for nine bucks. Uh, you're also going to want can a get spatula. A, you can get you can actually get a plastic one too for like two. Yeah, I know, but I'm I'm just saying if you want to splurge, if you want to do it for free, just take it out of your kitchen. That's what I used to do. I never had anything special. I just yeah, you, yeah. Your wife will get upset with you though. Yeah, um, get a get a spatula that has a metal blade on it. So one of those cheap Walmart spatulas with a metal blade, a little bit of the handle is metal, and then a plastic handle on it. I have a mine. The one I have is actually wooden, and it's teeny. It's it's a, it's like a miniature size. Gr- uh, griddle spatula. Yeah, it's about it's about this big. It's a, it's about literally about yeah. The, the blade on is like probably two and a half three inches long, mm-hmm. and then the handle is like a regular size handle, and it's wooden, and it's but it's small, and you yeah. can get solid ones or you can get slotted ones, yeah. and they work wonderfully, especially in if you happen to get a mess kit that's miniature sized. Yeah. Because this stuff is not—it's not like cooking at home. You're yeah, unless you're going to cook in that in in that pot. Um, and, and again, you can make the stuff like we always, yep. I, I'm just, I'm just saying for somebody that just wants to go out. Okay. And not be encumbered with having to do a bunch of stuff, but we just, we just take a, a green branch of something and just make a, a big spatula or make a big spoon or stirring implement to stir our stews or whatever. So you, yeah, I mean, all it takes is a, all it takes is a green stick. Yeah. Just don't get a bunch of bark in your stuff and you'll keep everybody happy. Um, but again, just just trying to make it so that everybody's got a uh, a good um, general um, recommendation. Okay, I want you to get a light my fire Swedish fire steel 2.0 with the orange handle. It has a little whistle in there. Now the whistle isn't all that loud, um, but it's better than nothing. And and you will never wear that out. And that'll cost you 19 bucks. The other component of your fire kit is going to be a Bic lighter. And you're going to take an old Tylenol bottle or something and take some cotton balls and rub them with Vaseline and stuff them in there. Anything else for fire kit? Can you think of anything? Not really. Um, Wooden matches? Yeah, well, I mean, the idea being, the reason I include the fire steel is just... Just because I want you working on your woodland skills, okay? I want you, like, learning how to light fires, like, at least semi-old-fashioned. You don't have to go crazy and do bow drills and stuff, but at least at least try with a fire steel and a Vaseline cotton ball. Next, I want you to get a Nalgene. Do you, do you want to ta- tell them how to make Vaseline cotton balls? Just take a, a tub of Vaseline. I, I've got a video on my thing. It's less than a minute. Um take a tub of Vaseline and you take the cotton balls and you just dip them in there and then stuff it into the, um, stuff it into whatever Tylenol bottle or whatever. And then, um, strap your, uh, fire steel and lighter to the outside of that with ranger bands because the ranger bands will burn like crazy, even in a downpour. Um, and for those of you who do not know what ranger bands are, sorry, um, it's take an old bicycle inner tube and cut it up. And make and that's what rubber you get rubber bands out of that. So, yeah. and there's a video on my YouTube channel that shows all of it, and it's less than a minute long. Um, 
Next, I want you to get a Nalgene Wide Mouth 1 quart uh, water bottle. Um, that's all you need. That's all I use. That's all I've used since I was in high school. And I still have the original water bottles from when I was in high school, only they're, um, those were narrow mouth. And why do I like the wide mouth? A um, couple different reasons. Number one, if all you have for your water is a cow footprint, and um, that does happen, uh, getting the water into there is a little easier if it's a wide mouth. Um, it, it just get the wide mouth get the wide mouth one i i also want you just, i'm thinking of there's you know the age difference between you and me huh they didn't even have nalgene bottles when i started this shit <laughs> you had like he had like a, a a metal canteen yeah like, like yep. weighed like four pounds leather leather the, boda bags yeah like or they'd you know like what? they'd like shoot their deer and save the stomach and you, and and you know what if you're really trying to save money two dollars and 49 cents you can get a plastic GI canteen, or or even better, just get get a two liter bottle. <laughs> yeah, just, two liter water bottle. I, I'm yep. just trying to make it easy mode for you, um, and easy mode is just the Nalgene one quart water bottle. Just bite the bullet. It's it's ten bucks. Next, for your water purification, I want you to go to Walmart and get the Coleman or or Coglin's um, water purification tablets. Um, your filter does not work. I'm sorry. Your filter sucks, and you, you it's going to clog. Filter, what do you mean? Any anyone that's got these fancy like three hundred dollar water filtration systems, they mm-hmm. clog. If you're out for more than like a day, it's going to clog. Um, we we've had these, you know, three hundred dollar freaking water filtration pumps that'll clog in after two liters of water. Okay, don't well, you're not supposed to it. do it out of a septic tank. Well, sometimes that's all you've got is the point like sometimes there'll be like a footprint with some muddy water in it and that's all you've got you know like just just get the water purification tablets get the two-part system the iodine by itself tastes terrible get the two-part system that you drop the second pill in after a half an hour and it neutralizes it um and it's it's so cheap and it works great now for backpacks uh um, I started with a Camp Trails uh, external frame backpack that I still have and um, I still occasionally use. Um, it was maybe a hundred bucks when I bought it. Um, my current backpack that I use the most is a North Face Primero that I bought in 2010, but they don't make it. Um, and it's about a 70 liter internal frame pack. That one has been a great pack. It's all over the world. The current um, version of that is the Profit 65, or you could go a little bit cheaper and get a Terra 65, which is 168 bucks. Um, I'm going to recommend that you just ignore the brands and just go to an REI or go to a Bass Pro Shop or whatever you have close by that, that carries backpacks and just try on a whole bunch of them um, and try to get one that's like in the 60 to 70 liter range. Uh, you, you, know, I'm surprised. you won't need any more than that. I'm surprised that REI or any of these places selling packs does not have a pack that has like 40 pounds of crap in it so you can try them on and well, they, feel what they, they feel they, like. Well, they stuff them. At REI, they stuff them with stuff. So they, they actually do. Like, like they'll have some cotton batting or something in there. So it yeah, actually, not, But they don't, but they they don't, don't weigh, weigh 40 pounds. Well, 
And here's here's the other thing that you're looking for. Okay, the main thing with your pack, if you're going to do big backpacking trips, is the weight should not be on your shoulders. The weight needs to be on your hips. So it needs to have a belt that, and it needs to be designed in such a way so that when you load that pack, it centers the weight on your hips, and there's no weight at all on your straps. The straps are there to prevent the pack from falling backwards, and that's it. You do not want to have any weight on your shoulders. Um, so try on a bunch of them. Um, make sure you get one that fits. But all the thing you're really looking for is that it puts the weight on your hips. And, that, and that I'm talking about a backpack that you're going to use for longer trips and things like this. Any thoughts on that? Nope. I have a um, Tasmanian Devil. No, Tasmanian Tiger. What's pack. that? Oh, you've never seen that pack? Uh-uh. Tasmanian Tiger, I picked it up when I was in the stand. So it's not a lightweight pack by any stretch of the imagination, but you can put a lot of stuff in it. Yeah. And you can carry it, and it carries well. It's one of the, and it's a, it's a pack that's got handles, side handles on it, so when you are getting into a helicopter, you can throw it into the helicopter or your truck or whatever you're throwing it into uh-huh. instead of grabbing it by the straps. Yeah. They actually, you know how, you know how, how many times have you been somewhere where they were throwing packs on a pickup truck, and they to just get, grab because you just like hooked whatever. a ride, and they grabbed the by the by the straps, and they ripped the freaking shoulder straps off them. Yeah, happens all the time. I can't tell you how many times that happens. Yeah, and so so this company actually sewed handles, grab handles, onto yeah. the side of the pack and onto the top of the pack, and on you know so you can grab it. And throw them, yeah, by the handle instead of by the by the straps, and yeah. it works real well. And it's a, it's actually a comfortable pack. Like I said, it's on the heavy side and it's on the pricey side. Yeah, but if you're in those kinds of environments where you're going to be, it's going to be drug a lot and it's going to be piled up on top of crap and it's going to be, you know, it's a whole different ball game than if you're just trying to, you know, meander through the woods for on a certain trail for a period of time. Yeah, you know, you're not. It's not going to be in the same kind of environment, but um, you probably could carry an extra can of beans with the extra weight that this thing has on it. Yeah, well, and that's that's the other thing to pay attention to is um, make sure that, that that whatever pack you get isn't like super duper heavy. Um, I have a day pack that weighs seven pounds, just completely unloaded, and I'm not going to say the name of it because it'll probably make them mad, but. Um, I don't carry it. <laughs> yeah. um, if you're looking for a day pack, um, or if you if you're looking to go ultra light, I've actually packed out of this pack for three weeks before. I have a Maxpedition um, Vulture Two, I think is the name of it. But it, I, I love that pack. And, I'm real um, fond of. You know what I'm real fond of for a day pack? I'm fond of a uh, snug pack. Okay. This the lighter, the lightweight. Actually, I have a snug pack Bergen rucksack. Okay. Too. That that's a heavy, that's a great big beastly thing. I mean, you can put about eighty pounds in it. Yeah. Uh, but I but the um, uh, I have a lightweight um, snug pack. It makes a, an excellent overnight pack, uh, day pack. It's a little much for a day pack, maybe. Uh-huh. Uh But for an overnight pack, it's it's absolutely perfect. Okay. I mean, it's real real light. It's uh, you can put a lot of stuff in it. And, yeah. Pretty handy. Now, Pretty handy to have. If you have a gear company and you want to make some people really, really happy, here's a suggestion for your day packs. 
uh, and I haven't found a day pack that will do this or a patrol pack is another name for these. Um, I want the same emphasis placed on the belt system and uh, so that the weight so that you can have that pack be supported completely by the belt and not right. by your shoulders. And the Maxpedition does not do a good job of that. Yeah, um, Spec Ops, the Spec Ops 3-Day Assault Pack uh-huh. is, uh, they call it the pack, uh-huh. T-H-E, uh-huh. Um, has a lot of features in it that are very cool. Um, one of them is the interior is yellow. Okay. So when you open it up, it doesn't look like a black hole. Oh, that's nice. Giant maw. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. lose shit in. Right. You know, it's yellow. So so things stick out. I mean when you open when you unzip the bag, things stick out. I mean I have I have a uh, an eagle um three day assault pack. I don't I don't know the name of it, I can't remember. It's old, it's not a it's not a new model, it's an old model. Uh-huh. And uh I really like it quite a bit. <clears throat> but it's black and when you open it up to look for something inside it's black. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. And, it, and it's dark inside there. Yeah. So you you end up having to fumble around for stuff, you know. That's not. It's like in the that falls into the smaller stuff goes to the bottom of the pack, you know. Yeah. And and the and the uh, spec ops pack is is kind of nice because while it's the same size, it's the same opening, it's the same. Everything is the same. You just can find stuff easier in it because it's in it's yellow on the inside. Yeah. So even if you put a little light in there, it really reflects it quite a bit instead of That's just cool. absorbing it into nothingness. That's cool. And uh, so that works that works real well. Both of those packs have a really good uh, carrying system. Yeah. Um, you know, nice padded hip uh, strap. Yeah. So, yeah. You know what? It's the... The the problem with packs is what's good for me is not going to right. make you happy. They they got it's a, such a personal thing. It's not yeah. even funny. They, like they got to like try. I would on. forego I would forego a pound on a pack to have one that fits me a little more comfortably or is a little has a couple features like I I'm not a fan of uh, of nylon that like like a, the packs that are made out of silk tarp material. Uh, yeah, do not get those. They're they, so thin and so light that. You're gonna rip. You them walk up. through a briar patch and you got yeah. you got all your shits on the. You floor. want ripstop the nylon on there. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All your stuffs on the ground. The other thing I'm gonna say, and this is the last thing I'm gonna recommend, is that you get a good dry bag, um, a Sea Line yes. 20 liter bag. Um, they they make a bigger one, the U.S. Marine Corps uh, 65 liter, and that the nice thing about that is it's got a purge, um, and that's a 45 dollar bag, but you'll be fine with the 20 liter. And honestly, snug, snug pack, snug pack makes uh, for a little more money. They're a little lighter. They make a coated nylon bag. I don't like those. The sil nylon, um, the, the dry bags, those those uh, do not stay dry in um, rainforests. Don't yeah. ask me how I know that. Um, if you get a sil nylon bag, they're lightweight, but they they do not stay dry um, if it's if it's like rainy, rainy, rainy. I want you to get a real dry bag um and it's going to weigh more but it's not going to get wet inside um that that's that's what i would say um and all that being said i all i ever used up until recently was just garbage bags and i still use them <laughs> i took a i didn't bring a dry bag i bought garbage bags to the Philippines. you know I, and i use i use a lot of um and if, and if 
had good luck with them as is been the um Ziploc bags. Okay. Ziploc yeah, baggies Ziploc with it. bags. Uh, and you know. uh, if, if you want to go with a higher end one that's going to be like awesome, um, get the uh, lock sack ones, L O K S A K. Those are like awesome. So uh, that's uh, that's my gear recommendations for good quality gear, but um, you know not breaking the bank, and it's stuff that I know works. One quick, uh, we still have to talk about the Alaska thing, but one quick housekeeping thing. Um, if you listen to our podcast and you're offended, um, I apologize. <laughs> Certainly don't mean to offend you. Uh, you know what? I'm not apologizing for that. <laughs> well, at any rate, um, if, if I should say something that would offend you, I'm sorry. Um, Jim may not. <laughs> Here, here's the deal. If you get offended by something that I say, you have too soft a skin. Well, there's I'm sorry. That. Um, uh, I'm sorry. I, you know what? I don't. I don't. If I'm poking fun at you, um, I feel as though I know you well enough. <laughs> Better take that part out. Yeah. Well, I. <laughs> at any rate, Jim says you should have um, some thick skin, and the other point that he's making is that, uh, um, you know, if you're mentioned and around, we're, we we don't use a lot of names on here, but we kind of refer to people that we know, and a lot of those people listen. And if you're referred to on here in kind of a roundabout way, that's because we like you. It's not, you know, and the people that you like, you, you rib a little bit, you know. Um, and uh, if, if we didn't like them, number one, they wouldn't be mentioned. And number two, we wouldn't take the time to rib them. Like, you right. just ignore it's them. It's not worth the effort. Right. Like, why do I want to pick a fight with somebody? You know, I just don't. So, you know. If you're mentioned in a roundabout way, take it as a compliment. And if you get offended by our mention, I, I'm really sorry. I, we would never mean that. Uh, so that's enough of that nonsense. Let's talk about... Um, mea culpa, mea culpa. Right, right. Let's talk about uh, the um, Alaska thing. So Jim and I have been watching this. Uh, um, it's called Out of the Wild, the Alaska. Out of the Wild, the Alaska Experiment. And if you if you haven't listened to um, episode 17, you probably want to go back and listen to that because I give enough background in there. You know, you know what's funny about that? I, if you happen to catch, they must be like a like a film crew permanently based in Alaska right now, because if you'll notice, there's a ton of Alaska shows right now mm-hmm. um, offering the. <clears throat> whether you want to call it romance or or the uh, the excitement of living in those in that kind of environment. Mm-hmm. There is a ton of different TV shows right now that are on on cable or satellite, whatever you want to watch. I yeah. Mean, um, it, it it is amazing to me how many different ones there are. That you know, life in Alaska, life State below troopers. zero, Alaskan State Troopers. Yeah. Uh, the Alaskan Experiment. Um, they have. Uh, Oh, I just saw a commercial for another one the other day that was uh, some kind of uh, the Alaskan Challenge, where they have like four different teams of groups of people that are racing across Alaska, use, utilizing their skills. There's like a military group and a and a woodsman group and a and a um, uh, endurance group, dog sledders, and I mean it just. I'm amazed by that, and it kind of makes me think that that obviously somebody's done some research, and they've said that 
this is this is touching a nerve, mm-hmm. you know, that we really, you know, it's like all the survivor shows and survival shows that are on TV right now. Mm-hmm. That seems to be touching, hitting a nerve with people that they want it. They want more information about this stuff, and they're getting it in in that that form of entertainment because apparently. Going out and doing it is. <laughs> it's too hard difficult. if you weigh 400 pounds. <laughs> too di- too difficult or whatever. Yeah, you know, if but... you're 101st chairborne, you you don't really want to go out. But, um, yeah, but but you know, and it's and I I'm not I don't know I don't I don't know what the conclusion of of that is. What what does that what does that well, actually mean? Do do does that mean that we want we're we're longing for something that we threw away that that we grew up with that I grew up with I know that I grew up with it that you know you 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 go on these trips and and you're not supervised and you're not a nanny state and you're not you know you don't have somebody over your shoulder every 5 minutes saying keep trying to keep you safe I mean is that in the overall scheme of things is that is that we is that what we're longing for is that ability that freedom that we don't have anymore yes I mean, is that what this is? A, is that what this is transpiring from well, into? Here's here's what I see as the appeal specifically of Alaska. Okay, um, I, th- I I like going into real wilderness. Uh, state parks are great. National parks are great. Um, you know, big big stretches of land that are available in the United States, public land. That's all great. But big big wilderness where it takes you know two weeks to hike in there. And two weeks to hike out. I like big wilderness, and and to get that, um, I've I've flown kind of all over the world. You know, you can find that in jungles and in South America is m- my main kind of thing. But uh, the the thing that's attractive about Alaska is it's big wilderness, and it's still the United States. You know, so you're still covered by United States law, but it's still big wilderness. And, and when you say when you say big wilderness, I mean that that truly is some place that you can go and and get lost in. Yeah, there's no way that you're gonna you can not only get lost, but that it's big wilderness that you can die in. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, a lot of people with, die without in. any trouble whatsoever. If you don't know what you're doing and you go up there, you're gonna die. Right. It, there's but nothing back, romantic about it. It's you know. It's, but back to my my initial statement though, why? What is the appeal here? Is that are we as a as a uh, um, as a population just longing for that type of freedom? Yes. I mean, I, I look at that and I kind of that's kind of what I get out of it. It's it's almost like okay, we're we're now to an absolute nanny state where we're we want cameras on us all the time. We've got. Um, uh, you know, I live where I live so that I don't have to deal with a lot of that stuff. But it's coming here too. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, where you have where you have a, a a rescue is at a push of a button away. You know, no matter what you're into, rescue is at a push of a button away. And um, you know, where I grew up was not in in the wilderness, but we had. We we never had the kind of uh, uh, people over our shoulder that that we have today. Yeah, you're, that, you're in, monitored in that and environment. watched. And and if you, my whole life has been is spent trying to get away from having somebody over my shoulder. 
Yeah. And I and I wonder if I wonder and you know and that's that pushed me to Northern Michigan without being fanatical about it. If I suppose had if I was if I was 25 today, there's no question I would not be in. I would not be here. I would be. I would probably be in Alaska or in, in the Yukon well, or something like that because because I would not want to grow up today <clears throat> having somebody over my shoulder every second of the day. Yeah. Somebody reading my emails, somebody reading my, listening to my phone conversations, listening to my, I mean, I, I think I've, I think we've gotten to the point now where we're starting to see pushback. Yeah, and maybe definitely. And maybe this is the first step, all of these, all of this entertainment that involves living off the grid well and and the other thing is is part of um you, you know america is different um america is exceptional and it, when i say that I, I don't mean that america can do whatever it wants to other countries of the world which is which is what most people take american exceptional exceptionalism to mean mm-hmm. america is exceptional because when when our um ancestors came over here there were obviously there were people living here already but when our particular ancestors came over here it was basically a wide open country and they were fleeing the kind of nonsense that we're dealing with today where everybody knows your business and everybody's trying to tell you what to do um and it started out as there was no such thing as classes um, there was no such thing as royalty. You didn't have to bow down to any king or any of this kind of thing. You're basically in the hinterlands, and in order for them to ex- exert any control over you, they're months away at least, and you can disappear into the woods, and, and they can't do anything about it. So we started out as basically a classless society with no royalty, no pre-monkey business wealth, all of that stuff, and we expanded westward and it took in order you know imagine imagine you're in the eight you know in the 16 and 1700s and with that technology and they say okay you need to go west and set up a farm in iowa where there are no um other people like you living there may be hostile people there that want to kill you imagine what it took to do that uh that's why we're exceptional what other country in the world has that kind of a founding? None. Because they've been around forever. And and yeah. at this point, they have these societies that are thousands of years old that have basically classes set in stone. Um, and if, if, if they're no longer on royalty, they're on um, some sort of a collectivist system, which, again, it's still classes set in stone. There's the government and then there's you. You know, and we just we're exceptional because we never had that, and we're, mm-hmm. but we're drifting more towards it, unfortunately. And mm-hmm. I think what what people are reacting to, and what people are really excited about the wilderness for, and all those sorts of things, is we're like, look, we're sick of this crap. We we don't want you telling us what to do. We yeah. want to go out, and we want to branch out. And but the the problem is, there's where are you going to go to do that? Right. You know, there's and very it's, little. That's about it. Yeah, Alaska. And even then, you're still part of the continental United States, right? Or not? Right. Con- but you well, know what? Let's upper. It's still continental, but it's like you're, there's a disconnect. It's not the lower 48. So, but right. you're still you're still very much under the control of the United States government. But 
um, you have the potential of living off the grid up there like you don't anywhere else. All right. Well, you know what? And, I, and to be honest about it, the, you're under the you're under the uh, um, the thumb of the U.S. government, but it's a lot more difficult for them to figure out what the hell you're doing. Yeah. When you're when you're disconnected like that, right. when you're unplugged, and and if they try to enforce something again, if you're if you're a, a one one week hike back into the wilderness, what are right. they going to do about it? The, yeah. Number one, if you do something up there, they're not going to know about it, and if they do know about it, it's a, an enormous effort to do anything to to, to do anything to you. Right. You know, that that's what's that's what I think is, you, you know, we. There is still a very strong independent streak that runs through people in the United States, because yeah, all of the I, all of the weakling sissy wanna be part of a big you know collectivist group. Most of that got left in Europe, and the people that came over here were just they were different, you know. And a lot of that a lot of that kind of mentality and and makeup still survives in in Americans today. Uh, again, a lot mm-hmm. of it's gone, but it's still out there. You know, there's, mm-hmm. and and I think that's who's probably watching these shows. Yeah, you know, and I I also uh, I also find it intriguing when you when you go and you visit a lot of places in the U.S. where you go to the bigger cities and how these people have no concept of any of this material that we're talking about. Uh, yeah, you're looking at they're, parakeets. They're, to- they're so totally. They so totally desire to have somebody babysit them, and I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about people that are that are uh, on assistance or, but they, you know, these are usually like white collar people that think that the government needs to be there to bail people out. The government needs to be there to help protect them from this or help protect them from that. The government does a really poor job at that stuff. They do. The government does a great job at blowing shit up and making war. Right. That's what they do the best. They don't do any any of the other stuff that they're trying. They they fail miserably at because because they are too big, too cumbersome, too many committees. It it doesn't work real well. It just doesn't work real well. I mean, just figure. What it took to get the new digital army uniforms, ACUs, <laughs> and they're and they're horrible. They're horrible, <laughs> and that's a classic example. Yeah, classic example. They wanted to design their own material instead of using what's what somebody else has done. Yeah, you know that's the kind of stuff that that is is. It just that makes me crazy. Yeah, you know. Well, they do a pretty good job building roads. Uh, yeah. If you if you if you don't worry about the three guys standing around the shovel while one guy right. digs. Right. Right. But they but they don't do much. They don't do much very well. And and, and that's as long and honestly as we continue, that that road work is contracted out to private contra- con- yeah. companies. And so if you we can't even count and if that. we but if we continue on this path, we're going to be in real trouble because we're we're thinking that the government is the. And at what point in time did profit become a horrible word? Well, God, I yeah. was I was doing I was in a meeting a couple weeks ago, yeah, a, couple, a month ago, 
with some people and they were taught we were talking about this business plan and and uh, uh and and a kind of a proposal to work with the state on some different projects and uh and work with academia and they were saying oh the the academic portion of this meeting were saying oh well you you guys would be making a profit we can't we can't have that we can't, we can't have anybody making a profit with what we're doing and i was and I, without going into a lot of details about what the project was i i was like you know you're in a university that are turning out people that are thinking like you who the hell pays for this shit the guys who, making who, the profit <laughs> exactly who is going to who is going to pay for this who who do you think is going to fund all this stuff when you when you totally diss people that are trying to make a profit doing something profit is what profit is good profit <laughs> is not a bad thing but the, the, the old... and if you notice and if you notice what the trend is everybody's starting to work for nonprofits yeah. now well, and, because and, and, it's so warm and fuzzy. Well, let, let me tell you a little something. A lot of nonprofits are just basically padding their pockets. Unfortunately, they're, they're, yeah, and they're yeah. just nonprofits so that they can get so they can ditch that horrible notion that they're making profit. Yet the people that are running it are making are sitting they're, pretty fat. Yeah, the, the the if you're the if you're the director of a charity, you're gonna you're gonna have millions of dollars. Period. Yeah, and that's that's just the way it works. Uh, yeah. But but anyway, here's the alternative to profit. You don't like profit? Okay, well, let's go back to the way things were before there was such a thing as profit. Okay, you're a serf. Okay, you live on some land that's owned by a noble, and he tells you to work and farm all this crap and do all of this. And if you even so much as step out of line, they're going to burn you at the stake. Don't you think that that's, um, your what the, wife, that's what the state is right now? It's getting close. And your wife, by the way, um, anytime the king wants to come by and just roger the shit out of her, like th that's just fine. Okay, so you want to go back to pre-profits? Just remember, you're a serf. You're not going to be the, the king and the noble because you're not the king and the noble now. You know, If you're not the top of society now, you're not going to be then either. You know, it, it, it's people just don't even think about what the alternative is, and right. the alternative is on display in the rest of the world. Okay, go go to South America, see what that's like down there, where you have corrupt governments and people living in squalor, and then a few people that use the government to extort money and all these sorts of things. And we're we're very much approaching that, but anyway. Uh, we should probably get off of this or we're going to get angry back, tweets back again. Back to Alaska. <laughs> yeah. Okay, all you angry tweeters, just save it. We're going to move on. Back to Alaska. Anyway, so this... We're going north to Alaska. <laughs> kind of north the rush is on. <laughs> right. The, um, so episode three was called Porcupine Stew. And uh, so far they've come uh, 17 miles. Um, and you know, they're way, way, way into the trip. And that's about 80% of an expedition day in terms of miles. And the terrain that they were covering was not that difficult, but it no. took them forever to go 17 miles, which is an artificial thing in itself. And then on, on this particular day, they decide they're going to take a three and a half mile trek through whiteout conditions. Why? Why did you get up and move a, a great camp 
on a on a day when there's a whiteout, and then sit around on sunny days for days at a time. Okay, it's artificial. You know what? Stupid. You know what? Got, what kind of got me about that whole that whole episode, those episodes, and I, I'm not sure if they just didn't know the right formula to try to make this work a little better, or if it was like I said, but not really sure what the experiment was all about, but. What I did notice is that every time that they were hoofing it, they basically put their heads down and just hoofed it. They weren't looking. They weren't hunting. They weren't doing any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. They were just trekking from point A to point B. And and if you're on an expedition like that where you're trying to gather food on the way, why the hell wouldn't you be doing it while you were moving? Well, then, and while that's you what, had movement. And that's really what we what we do is we'll, we'll we're, you're constantly looking. Um, you see, yeah. you, you see a bunch of monkeys or something. There's fruit. Okay, go to where the monkeys were and find the fruit and load up on it. You know, you're, no, you're right. constantly or, or, foraging. Or get the monkeys. Yeah, or get the monkeys. Um, <laughs> but the, I, but I the may whole have point is that they some, had they had those like two. That. They had two rifles. Now, in episode three, they didn't have the big rifle yet. Not, did they? Well, I'm getting to that. But um, okay. So episode three, again, they're making stupid decisions, um, and then they're walking across. Uh, three to four inches of snow maybe right mm-hmm. and it's not that cold and they're like huh we need to make a snow cave um no you're not not in four inches of, of powdery snow you're not making a snow no. cave so just abandon no. that idea and get off the mountain and go to a place where there's better shelter um and then they they make it to this like gorgeous cabin which <laughs> is like the best shelter i've like ever seen <laughs> for, like, survival situations. Um, the other thing that they constantly bring up is anytime they're crossing water, they're like, well, you know, you can fall in the water and get sucked under by your pack. Hey, dum-dum, unstrap your pack. <laughs> okay? Don't. <laughs> when, when we're crossing water, we undo the belts, and then there's a, there's a buckle usually that goes between the straps. Undo the, the buckles and undo the belts so that if you, if you fall over, you just shed the pack. Well, one of the reoccurring themes there is from the three days of training that they had, they keep, you keep hearing things that keep coming back up. One of them was the river crossing, how they want to always cross arm in arm. And if you notice that they always cross arm in arm. Yeah. Almost always are they crossing a river like that. Yeah. And which is, which is kind of funny. So obviously that was something that they emphasized while they were yeah, get being in, trained in their in their training. The well, other thing that you know, and I listened to seventeen when when you put it out, and and I kept saying about the re, the the reoccurring theme of of the food, and how they were always they they were always talking about how many calories they burned and how many calories that they were eating, and that was the that was the other thing, and I didn't mention that in the in the uh, in seven in podcast seventeen where where they were actually saying here's how many calories that they're they think they're going to require, which is like was like four or five thousand a day, right? And they were getting like like six hundred, maybe. Yeah. Maybe on a good day, they were getting like six hundred, and and they walked by stuff all the time that they could have been eating constantly. <laughs> we're walking by stuff. That, like all oh kinds yeah, of constantly stuff. that 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 they could have been pocketing and saving for later. They could have been um, they could have been gathering food the whole way. And I think that that's where the I think that's where the failure was in that whole process because they got to a certain point where, you know, they're just eating proteins. 
they were they were they were able to get some fish. They were able to get some well. You know, don't some don't spoil it for me yet. Well, but they no, did but get. They, a, but yeah. they got a porcupine, and uh, I think you know, it was not, drugged. Huh? Well, could have been. <laughs> I don't know. You know what? I shot enough porcupines to know that they they move. Well, like what was that he doing? What was he doing in the middle of nowhere though, with no trees around? Have you ever well, seen a porcupine know. in the middle of a big, huge prairie? No, I've seen porcupines running across fields though, from one one bunch one of trees bunch to of another. One bunch of trees to the next. I mean, but... I, I shot a couple years ago. I shot the biggest, biggest porcupine. We were out. Uh, um, mushrooming, mm-hmm. and I shot the biggest porcupine I've ever seen in my life. And when I held it up with a, I got two sticks. It was a great big sow. When I got two, I got two sticks to hold it up, and the sticks had to be like, oh, an inch and a half to two inches in diameter. Yeah. To pinch it together mm-hmm. uh, on his on her neck, mm-hmm. so that I could hold her up in the air. And I was holding her up. And her tail was on the ground, and I was I, she was level with my her head was above my shoulders, Jeez. and her tail was touching the the ground. Wow! I could I, and you know I I kept saying to Tina, you should get a picture of this, and we we never did. Huh. Um, but it it was a huge. It was the big. It was the biggest pork. It took like four shots Jeez. for my forty five to kill it. <laughs> of course, I was you know you shooting it in the ass when it was getting running away from you and stuff, you know. So you're not really getting a good good headshot and they don't move real fast and i was trying to get around the i was amazed at the size of it i was like holy crap this thing's humongous and if <laughs> and i was like i don't want to get too damn close to it you know i might misstep and fall on the damn thing and yeah. be picking porcupine quills out of my ass for months yeah and those quills are actually valuable oh yeah yeah well so my uh future son-in-law has got a buddy of his that's a bear hunter okay, okay. And has dogs, mm-hmm. and he's constantly any he, any he, he's got this thing about porcupines that no matter what it is, if he sees a porcupine, he's got to kill it, whether he's got a gun or not, he's got to kill it. Mm. So I get a frantic call about two years, it was probably two years ago, I think now, and uh, frantic call from my daughter saying John fell on a porcupine, <laughs> and I was like, what? It's like, yeah, can mom come over and help get the quills out? So. I hang up the phone and I start heading over there and my by this time John is quite lubricated <laughs> and and feeling very little pain and he's pulling quills out of his arm out of his bicep and I'm talking with a pair of pliers and they're they're like jammed in oh, his bicep geez. I mean deep deep in I mean it, they probably would have done surgery to take him out yeah <laughs> and and of course he's yanking them out and they're not you know they're not very clean. They're yeah. They're pretty much bacteria laden and it's a wild ended up, animal. Yeah, he ended up with a hell of an infection. But that being said, we we went over there basically to hear the story of how John fell on a porcupine. <laughs> and 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 there's nothing like hearing a, a story about a drunk uh, alcohol, a guy that has a thing about killing porcupines, a porcupine and a hill. <laughs> and a stick that just brings out the best in me. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and so he he was telling the story and and uh, he 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 basically was beating it up with a stick trying to kill it, and he stumbled and fell on it. Yeah. Oh jeez. And, and so he had he had him in his legs, he had him in his arms, he had him all over the place. Oh, it was geez. really really nasty. But anyways, back to the Alaskan experiment. So um, 
let's see. The the other thing I would say about their crossings is they don't seem to be scouting for good crossing spots. They they no. pretty much just walk up to it and they, they just cross right there. They don't scout right. upstream and downstream, and that's part right. of their problem right there. It's like you guys you guys just need to screw your head on a little bit. Um, but don't you think I you know most people are like that. I don't. I do not believe that that we are turning out people that have enough common sense anymore to make that trek, and realize that there's better spots in the stream to cross than whatever you come up on. You're you're killing me, man. <laughs> you're killing me. Like that's like that's like you learn that when you're like three. <laughs> you know, like. Well, what are you doing right now with our kids in elementary school? What are your kids learning in school? Uh, that they how, can't hit anybody. How to they be, can't, yeah, how to be good citizens, basically. Yeah, how to be good consumers, right. not citizens, consumers. Right. You know, they can't. They're not allowed to hit anybody. They're not allowed to be hit, but they get hit anyways. Yeah. You know, they're not allowed to bully, but they get bullied. Yeah. They're not allowed to fight back. <clears throat> you know, they're just supposed to sit there like little good, good little bundeses and do whatever, whatever the state says to do. Right. So you're 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 turning out kids without without any I mean as long as obviously we didn't because we augmented that with our kids yeah. or are or are in the process of doing that with our kids but all I mean well and I I'm, I'm the same way my kids my well, and that's what I meant. You're, I mean, you're doing that with your kids. I did that with my kids. I mean, you you offset that so that they. And plus, you're kind of a, we're not in the city environment, so you know there are certain things that they just automatically become. You know, like there's a creek that goes through their schoolyard. I mean, they yeah. obviously know that there's a creek there, and yeah, and they play in it and stuff. So, uh, but you know what? They they're not teaching that kind of stuff in schools anymore. Well, and then they're not learning it because they don't go outside. Well, my kids do, but I mean, right. it's pretty pretty hopeless that you've got a group of people that does it, that comes to a river basically, a small river, and doesn't scout up and down to to find a good a safer crossing spot. You know, right. that that's just stupidity. I'm sorry. Right. It's, and it's not you can't say you're exhausted. You won't, they only hiked three and a half miles. Right. Okay, I can do three and a half miles in a handstand right. carrying a 60-pound pack. Right. Like, three and a half miles is nothing. I don't want to hear I could about do it. how exhausted I could do it. you were. I could do it with a handstand playing a harmonica while I'm going. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> well, well. so anyway, that's that's that was episode three. Um, I, I just want to talk about the guns that they've seen. So, you know episode what they, four, they, they get go- a new gun. Yeah, but they didn't. Um, you didn't talk about the how they cooked the porcupine. Oh yeah, okay. So they 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 end up shooting this porcupine, which it, I've never seen a porcupine in that circumstance that they were in. Okay, I'm I'm calling shenanigans on it. Yeah. Like I just no, don't that believe. That could be. It. But um, they, could be. they they take this porcupine and they um, clean him. They they looks like they did a real good job of that. That like somebody taught them the right way to do stuff. So yes. they they clean this porcupine and. Um, uh, the Asian girl takes the porcupine and makes him into a big stew. Smartest thing ever. Okay. Except they had no cattail roots or anything like that in there. Yeah, they, they could have done that. I, I, you know, they maybe not. They maybe didn't know, but they did have some peas and stuff left over, and they had some flour to make dumplings and things like this. Very, 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 very smart way of eating. 
which is why I suggested that um, four liter um, aluminum pot with a bale and a lid. Okay, that's going to be the best way to cook for a big group over a fire, and and they do a fantastic job of that. The other thing I noticed at the end of that episode is that they um, they are working a lot better together, and yeah. and they're now starting did, to get it. Did the uh, did the the three guys pop smoke already? No. On your on the episode that I mean the the, the guy the lead, the guy that was. Uh, the guy, the fisherman, and the oh yeah, hunter, they're they're they, already gone. They popped smoke already. Okay, yeah, yeah, they did that on episode two. Yeah, that was they were gone in episode two. So yeah, yep. Um, the next episode was uh, episode four, and they do a little bit of orienteering and go on a little hike, and they end up at a downed plane, and they're supposed to use the downed plane for the shelter. Uh, and um, they they did, it seemed like they did a good job of orienteering. Um, and they got there, and they were disappointed by the shelter. But, like, once they got to looking at it, um, the shelter that they built was actually very, very good. Um, I I thought that that was a uh, – I really, really liked the rock wall with the fireplace in it. Yeah. I mean, that that's I not something that – was. they didn't build I thought, that. that was probably, no, no, that was there. Yeah. But I thought that that was tits well, up in the pool. Right, and they made – they made um, they made use of it, and then the other thing that they're doing really well is um, when they have a shelter, they're they're usually they're working on improving it and maintaining yeah. it because you have to you have to be improving your shelter on a daily basis and um, and uh, you know maintaining it, and they they were doing a good job of that. So in the plane, they found a. Um, uh, Remington uh, 457, or no, it's a Ruger 4570 Gov, so single shot 4570 Gov rifle, uh, with a, and it was scoped, thinking that they would see some big game and stuff, and so far they hadn't. Um, this leads, I should probably mention the other gun that they have is a uh, Remington um, 22. It's a double barrel gun. One barrel shoots 22, the other shoots 410, and when I was growing up, we called that a skunk gun. Um, I don't know what what you called it but in my opinion for a survival rifle it's really really hard to beat the the 22 410 combo what right. do you think about that i have one yeah i mean i have one like, and i truly i truly yes i that's a rifle that i that i truly believe in yeah um i i think that's that's one of the best um survival guns that you can possibly get is an over under because you Again, they use it. They use the 22 to shoot little gophers and whatnot, and they use the um, the 410 to shoot uh, ptarmigans and stuff like that. So I thought that was really good. Um, let's see. So they what did they do? They kept the the big guy um, Dan is like getting sick and all these sorts of things, and like eventually he taps out. Like mm-hmm. you know, he just can't do it anymore. Um, and he was the and he was the guy that uh, was carrying. He was hoofing most of the weight. Yeah, he was a he big was, part of their team. Um, uh, but he he just kind of he just kind of wore down and eventually tapped out. In in that episode, they also found a, a, a basically a small lake um, that had some uh, beavers living in there, and they decided they were going to try to snare them. <laughs> And, uh, the, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, the, the way they were trying to go about that was hilarious. 
but they, I thought that was pretty funny. I thought it was clever that they uh, that they went through the aircraft to get the cables and stuff out of it, though right. cables and wires to make their snares. I, I did think that. Well, was had clever. they had they robbed the ukulele? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it might have had like nylon strings or something on it though that would break in the cold. I guess you you wouldn't know without seeing it, but um, so they got cables and paracord out of there, and they they made some snares. I don't know, I don't know who taught them that, um, but it was never going to be effective, and it wasn't effective. Uh, what do you think no. about how how they were doing that? Well, I thought it was a, I thought that was an abject failure. Yeah. Uh, and and I, you know, it it's an attempt, and it keeps them busy, but I thought it was a, it was a waste of a waste of time. I need to take a break here for a second. Okay. So uh, Jim had to take a little break there, and he was saying uh, right before he left that he didn't think they did a very effective job with the snaring, um, but that yeah, it kept him busy. I, and it kept him busy, and I think that there's, you know, there's a lot to be said about things like that. I remember when I I had a uh, a wilderness survival class years and years and years ago. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I did was the one pound coffee can class. Where we could we did it overnight and it was ended up being below zero like uh-huh. like ten fifteen below zero that night. Um, but we did twenty we did a twenty four hour period. We were dropped off at seven a.m. and we were picked up at seven a.m. Yeah. And the only thing we could bring with us was the clothes that we had on and everything that could fit into a one pound coffee can. Yeah. Which is not very much. I mean, there's really not a lot. And we couldn't bring any food with us at all Uh, yeah no one candy bar (laughs) bring one candy bar that was all we could bring and one of the things that i did was i brought had brought a couple guitar strings because they're small and lightweight and they already had an eyelid in them you know nice and i ended up setting some some snares and i didn't catch anything but one of the things that i that when you're in a situation like that that you're once you have your firewood gathered, once you have your, you know, it's it keeps your head busy. Yeah, you're not sitting around. That's the hardest. You're not sitting. You're not sitting around feeling sorry for yourself, or and so it does keep your spirit. I think it does keep your spirits up. Um, and and as you progress, you end up getting better at it. Yeah. You know, and eventually you'll probably <clears throat> catch something. But I think going through those motions is, I think emotionally. A very positive you, experience you for you. Stuff. Yep, um, yep, I think they, yep. they could have done a lot better execution of, of, of that. Um, there's a yes. lot of other trapping methods they could use. They could have made some figure four deadfalls for those varmints. Um, yep. The other thing, um, why not an Ojibwe bird snare? Didn't they catch a... Yeah, that would have been a great spot for all of those. Didn't they... Um, Use a basket yeah. to catch a, yeah, they, a bird was, with a basket? No, it was a bird. Or were you going to talk about that they, afterwards? They, they, caught a, they, they haven't caught a bird yet. They did catch a, um, a rodent a squirrel. rodent with a wash tub. And like the yeah. Bugs Bunny trick where you have a stick <laughs> and a line. When I, when I saw that, I laughed. Yeah, I they, thought that was they, hilarious. Yeah, that's like, <laughs> it's like the total classic Bugs Bunny trip, trick, but it works. Oh, they're, they're, they could have done a lot better lot better thing than just setting snares um and when you set snares and stuff like that you have to set like a ton 
Yeah. You know, and then expect that you're not going to really get all that much. And they don't seem to be setting them in the smartest way. Like they're stepping all, like they'll set it on a trail, but they're stepping all over the trail and getting their scent all over the place. And right. I mean, right. they're just not. They, they don't seem to to get it quite. And then right. the, the, their attempt at trapping those beaver, that was just stupid. They, they should have yeah. just not wasted their time. Um, they did do some survival fishing. Um, in the episode, they didn't catch anything, but I thought um, the way they did it was pretty much the way I do it. Um, you just take right. a line and you just throw it in and hope you catch something. Right. Um, one, of the, one of the things that, uh, that <coughs> I noticed, and I'm not sure, sh- I think, didn't they catch some little fish? Not not so far they haven't. Okay. Yeah. All right. Then I'll I'll let that till next time then because I was gonna say something about catching little fish and using them to catch big par- fish. Yeah. That's parlaying what, that into catching bigger fish. Yeah, that's what I always do. But um, anyway, uh, let's see. So they they did some some fishing. They did some of this. They went out hunting. They had a, a miss mishap with their skunk gun. The four ten barrel wouldn't fire or something, but. Finally, the the horse trainer that I think he does that. Um, what's that stuff that Mitt, Mitt Romney's wife does? That um, dressage. Course, course, dressage. Dressage. I think he does yeah. that. Um, but yeah. he, it turns out he's a pretty good shot. <laughs> yeah. He's shot like well, all of them. And, um, it's fu- it's funny because how how you watch the dynamics of that show and you watch the he he's kind of a, he, he's kind of effeminate. I didn't uh, want to say and, that. And, and, but he is. Yeah. I mean, he's not a he's not a a manly man type guy. Right. For, or at when, least he doesn't said, he doesn't feel the need to project it. I would say. Right. Yeah. And uh, and I think he's got a tongue stud too. Somebody in there does. I saw that and I'm like, uh, I don't know if it was him or if it was somebody else, but I I, I think I, it, was it, him. it flashed on the screen and I'm like, uh, yeah, hmm, yeah, not so much. So, <laughs> but uh, I was surprised at the uh, at the way that that um, that he comes off as a uh, uh, he ends up kind of being a leader. Yeah, he he's definitely by episode four he's he's definitely working into that role, and he yep. he actually is probably one of the strongest, um, most uh, sensible people in that group. I'd have to say um, that I've seen. Uh, and he, he's definitely got his stuff together in a package and it's getting better. I mean, so yeah, yeah. I think that's, I think that was, uh, he did, he's been stepping up and looking good. Now they did, he, they did end up, um, splitting up the two guns. One party went out with the 4570 and the other party went out with the skunk gun and they fired a 4570 round at a ptarmigan. <laughs> yeah. I saw that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not sure how funny. that's going to work, but. I thought that was yeah funny. those forty five seventies. It's like an it's like a freaking elephant gun. <laughs> it like yep. breaks your arm and like to you know to me the bird trap would have been so effective there. Yeah, Ojibwe bird snare. And for people that don't know what that is, Jim and I um, made one and I and it's on my YouTube channel. Just look that up. It's O J I B W E bird snare. Um, yep. And they they're they're enormously effective and they're simple to make and if you put out a bunch of them um you can take the you can take the parts with you you know it's not like you have to carve it over and over and over again and uh it's like 
it, you will catch food with these. Things. And those and those birds that they're catching are like the size of chickens. Oh, the ptarmigans. Yeah. 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 Well, they're yeah. shooting they're, them. They're but. not. They're not little. They're not little birds. Yeah. I mean, they are big, pretty good sized birds. Dogs. And and if you had, you know, several of those things, like I said, they. Yeah. I, to me, there was missed opportunities because yeah. I think that they could have they could have gotten some starches pretty simply. There. I. I mean, I've seen them as yeah. they're walking by. Yeah. I. Yeah. I've, I'm. I'm watching them walk by like wild edibles, and I'm. I don't yeah. know. I don't know hardly anything about wild edibles, but I know. Yep. A little bit, and just based on my little bit of knowledge, they're basically walking through a grocery store, yep. and just leaving yep. everything there. So, yeah. But and I, that's and that's what I was saying about the about the uh, you know when they're going from point A to point B, they just pick a straight line and they put their head down and they just they just push through it. And if you're actually trying to travel along a distance that you're uh, you're kind of in survival mode, but you're travel you you have the ability to travel. Um, I mean, most of the time, if you're in survival mode, you're in one spot. Yeah, you're, you're just making your hold up. you're making your yeah you're gonna hold up. You're gonna make your your conditions better where you're at. Yep, signal and fire. And wait for somebody to a, find you. Get a signal right. fire built and ready to strike. Um, put out, make it real obvious that you're there, and improve your shelter and spend spend time doing stuff like building little bird snares and occupy right. your mind. Yep, and these guys are these guys are traveling, which is is but you know again they they have a they have a compass and they have a map and they have a you know they have a, a, a place that they're heading toward to get out, but they don't even know really where they're going. Yeah, they just know that they're they're trying to find civilization, <clears throat> and uh, uh, and the route is mapped. Uh, so, and it's interesting. There is some decisions that they make along the way. Yeah, well, while I, they're you know whether they go over the mountain or go around yeah, the mountain that was, or that first you know th- those was kinds stupid. of things that they have going on there too. So, um, but like I said, when they're when they're in travel mode, they're in total travel mode. They have no, you know, they're driving right by the rest stops. They're driving by the you know they're yeah. they're driving right. They're like the they're like the dad that doesn't want to stop at a restaurant on the highway. Once he gets started, he ain't stopping. Yeah, stopping for gas and that's it. Not stopping at anything else. Doesn't want to see the biggest ball of twine or nothing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, they're they, they're like me when I drive. <laughs> but um, so they so in that episode, uh, Dan quits and then he's got like a sixty pound pack and they have to divvy up the stuff. And lo and behold, how were they carrying their tinder? In an ammo can, in like a yeah. five pound freaking ammo can. Yeah, you know they haven't they haven't gone through their stuff and seen if there was any way to like lighten their loads. Like they didn't even bother to right. try to like lighten things up and stuff. And again, right. that's and that that amazed me. That's their training. You know, yep. that, that's, that's that's one of the first things that that I would teach somebody is like, dude, don't, don't be carrying you know extra what? weight if you don't have to. It gets to the it gets to the point in time that we we just take that for. We just take that for granted, stuff that we just take for granted, that we grew up with, that we understand. That these, that these people, that's what it's showing to me, these people did not grow up with that stuff. Hmm. So they don't have that. Yeah, but, but even know, still, like, the, like it's you just, would well, think. Well, it's just common sense. Well, yeah, but it's common sense if you grew up the way we grew up. But if you grew up on, you know, if you go to... Another country, such as let's say Italy, right? And you want to go camping in Italy? Yeah. 
Um, unless you're like climbing the mountains in northern Italy, you're car camping. You're not walking. You're not doing any of that stuff. You get on a bus and you go. You don't. Hmm. So, so teaching these people how to travel really, really light is completely different than than it would be teaching somebody that's in the jungle. Yeah. Really, really light because they don't have any way to. They got to carry everything. Well, in Italy, you don't have to carry everything. Yeah. You, know, you you get on a train or get on a bus, get on some kind of mass transit thing, and and all your stuff can go with you that way, or get in a car and your car camp. I mean, it's like, you but know, you'd, you'd still think that you know after the first like ten miles, and like group members are dropping because they're carrying too much weight, you'd think that somebody would have just said, well, okay, we don't need to carry that ammo can. Um, we can take the tinder that's in there and stuff it into a plastic bag because we got a plastic bag. We also have yeah, dry look, bags. We can put it in there. Um, yeah, but who's thinking like that? That's that's my point. Uh, is you think that that's you think that you can teach that behavior in a three day class? And I'm telling you, you can't do it. It's a way of you grew up. But these guys have been at it now for a couple weeks. Of, of suffering, and you'd think they would learn from their, like, mistakes. You know, you'd <laughs> See, think I that they I would don't have... have that much faith in them. <sighs> See, I think that's something that, that, like I said, I think it's something that we take advantage, we take for granted, like jump-starting a car. Hmm. Okay? If you've done nothing but drive a... I mean, I, got a te- I just got a text message from a friend of mine. Oh, that, you're not going to make your friend mad, right? <laughs> that she can't. That that she she the, her car her her husband's car won't start, and she doesn't know what to do. Hmm. Hmm. And the first thing I'm thinking is, you know, it's been 18 below zero yesterday. It's probably got a bad, you know, maybe a battery. It's got a weak battery. Probably needs to be jump started. Yeah. Or a new battery replaced. You know, but. Th- She's never been in these conditions before. This is her, this is their first winter up here. Yeah, and 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 they're from Washington, and, and uh, a lot. they they don't deal with any of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, and and like I said, stuff that we just take for granted, they don't ever have to deal with. Yeah, well, one I'm of I'm trying not to make my friends mad. It's just that one of my, um, uh, you know, uh, Morris Kahansky. Yep. What he says, what he said, uh, makes a lot of sense and kind of resonates here, is that if you go up to somebody that lives in the woods, an aboriginal type person, and say, teach me survival, they won't know what the hell you're talking about. Because they don't, to them it's just living, and why would they need to show you how to live? It's common sense. You know, they don't separate out survival skills from anything else they do. Right, exactly, you know, so. and that's and that's my point. It's like it's a it's a it's a mentality. It's a way <clears throat> that you it's a way that you carry yourself personally. It's a way that you interact with other people. It's a way that you interact with your dogs. It's in a way. It's just a way that you live. Hmm. And and I'm telling you that it's something that is disconnected huh. in 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 most of society today. That isn't. I mean, obviously, it isn't everywhere because there there are people like us, but but they're but they're not they're not as common as they were in the twenties. <laughs> yeah, like you know, in the twenties, uh, 
or nah, I shouldn't even say the 20s, the 30s. Yeah. In the 30s, the start of the Great Depression, guess what people did? They were gardeners, many They of them. left, well, yeah. and, and, well, we grew up in a farming family, so yeah. guess what? Our, our families, basically, they just ate. They just farmed and ate. Yeah, and, like, we did And sold fine. whatever it was that they grew. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, but the people that were from the city, what did they do? They put, they packed their stuff in a handkerchief, put it on a stick, and went on, went, you know, went tried to and, find work somewhere. Yeah. Try to, try to see if anybody would do that now. You know what your chances of see, seeing like somebody like if there was a big economic downturn and there weren't any jobs in the city, you know what those people would do? They'd rob you. <laughs> They're parakeets. Right. There's no way right. you're going to tell this parakeet that, that that he needs to put up his belongings in a handkerchief and put it on a stick and go hop a train and try to get some work. Exactly. Like, he's like, screw that. I'm gonna I'm gonna demand that the guy that has the farm give me the food. Like, I'm not going to go out there and do that. <laughs> you know, the times right. are so different. And that's what they do. Right. That's why you get all these damn bailouts. It's just basically right. them saying, well, look, you know, I can't be working. That's for you to do. Right. <laughs> and that's the, and that's the, I guess that's the point. That's the part that is, that is intriguing about this. Because I look at those, and I, and that's what I see. I don't necessarily see a bunch of bumbling idiots wandering across the prairie. <laughs> I do. <laughs> you, you know, I, I see something much more, um, much deeper than that, I see. I see a society that's stumbling across the prairies, stupidly stumbling across the prairie, hmm. and ho- and hoping that they become enlightened. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just like that. Well, uh, we're we're two hours and twenty minutes into this thing at this point. Um, I'm probably going to cut some stuff out. Uh, I'm going to cut out that dream I had about a flashbang. Um, yeah, that would probably be wise. Yeah, <laughs> did you want me to cut the dream that you had out about the ear flashbang, or? No, no, that's fine. Okay. That's pretty common knowledge. Well, anyway, I mean, we, um, we did. I mean, I actually did that stuff, so that's not. Yeah, a, well, I mean, yeah, but I, I mean, uh, the the dream that I had about that flashbang has some knowledge in there that maybe people shouldn't know. Right. I don't even think you can buy those flash bulbs. Yeah. Well, so anyway, that's our episode 18. It was pretty long, pretty epic. Um, we covered a ton, a ton of stuff, and there was still like a couple other topics I wanted to get to, but I'll save them for next time. Yeah, and and we'll 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 circle the wagons back up around in a couple days, because um, we because there is a lot of stuff that we need to talk about, and uh, uh, today oh, is uh, there's before we go. Um, I want to mention um, Mike's new offering. And it, oh, it, he, he said it is. He's going to be mad if he listened this whole time and he didn't hear it. Um, I I um uh and and I wanted to talk about this because at the very beginning of this I asked I had asked him if he had sent me one. Okay. And he says I don't even have one for me yet. But uh, then the new the new Bravo uh, is is Bravo out. LT. Yeah, and it's actually yes, it's, act, it's they have them at DTL and at Knives Ship Free. Yeah, what, and it's a little bit thinner. It's a little bit thinner than uh, um, than the regular Bravo, yeah. Which has been, I mean, I like the Bravo. It's just that it's it's just thick. It's kind of. I clunky. mean, it's just a big, beefy, you know. It's just it's and 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 Mike's edge geometry edge geometry makes that knife work. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great knife. There's there's like very 
very few things I can say to criticize it. Um, right. But the one, the one like dream that I always had was that he would make one with a little thinner blade. Yep, uh, and he did. Yeah, I know, and it's gonna be, it's gonna be awesome. Um, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to buy one here pretty quickly. It's a yep. pretty freaking sweet knife. Because uh, the Bravo one, you know, I've got um, video of, of using one of those to pry uh, pry uh, tinder fungus out of trees. You know, I, I don't own one of those. That was my buddy's. But I've always... Yeah. And the reason, that, the thing that's prevented me from buying one is that um, the, the, the blade is just a little bit thick for something that I would carry a lot. But I'm super excited about that. Yeah, that's that's going to be uh, that's going to be an epic knife. I'm thinking that uh, um, that'll be one of them that goes across the UP yeah, on the camp for sure, for um, sure. That that's that's a that's a great knife. Um, I'm gonna bring a, I'm gonna for sure bring the trusted uh, Aurora. Yeah. Because because I know that knife well and I know what I can do with it, uh, and I really do like that knife a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to, uh, but I think I'm going to bring that LT with. Yeah, that would be. I, I'm gonna. I'm anxious to get some dirt time with that thing. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Actually, we're gonna have to. We won't call it dirt time. Oh, snow time. Up here, snow time. <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting. Maybe it, see what it does in the in the cold temperatures. You know, some some steels have a hard time um, with certain things. But we're, I'm gonna bring it. You know, I'm gonna bring that Sven saw. I'm gonna bring a. Uh, uh, probably a small forest axe, and I'm gonna bring. Uh, you know, probably that. you know, it was it was so cold up here yesterday morning. It was so cold that the smoke froze in my chimney. <laughs> That's crazy. Jeez. Eighteen below zero. Eighteen below zero. Wow. I'm gonna tell you what. It was cold. Oh hey, look what came. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's black. Yeah. That's cool. Mine is not black. Oh, and it's green. Mine is brass. Yeah. So, that is, what, what, so that's a new modern version of mine. Yeah, it's like three. Because mine's from like the 50s so I'm, or I'm talking about this Optimus um, stove. It's 111. A, yeah, it, and it's a stove that will burn um, gas, kerosene, uh, Coleman fuel, jet fuel, diesel now, whatever did you did you get the pump with that it comes it's it's got the pump already built in right there okay yep 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 yeah yep, yep. and okay. so um, yeah see my my little one i have i have three of those okay i have that version that has a pump i have a smaller version that does not have a pump uh-huh. and then i have one that's like a like the mountaineering type that's just all it is is just the burner and the um the the container and a valve yeah and I'll, and I'll bring all three of them. Yeah. Because they're, obviously we can play with those, but you're going to love, you'll love yeah. that. Yeah, well. That is, it's, that is a great, that is a great stove. It is. That is way, a lot of people don't even know about it's those. It's not, it is absolutely not a backpacking stove. It's three and a half no. pounds. Um, no. But the thing that excites me about it is, is that I can burn anything in it. Uh, yeah that brings me to one other thing i forgot to put on the the gear list for like the beginning you know kind of guy that wants to get quality stuff um get yourself a single burner coleman dual fuel stove and which is which is not a backpacking stove either yeah but it's not three and a half pounds oh i think it is no no how much does it weigh 
Uh, I don't know, but it's not. I, we could look it up, but um, and you can you can tr you can go with other options. You can use an alcohol-based stove. You can use um, you know whatever you want. But the the th the advantage I see in the Coleman dual fuel is that you can burn gas or um, or uh, kerosene or whatever in there, and uh, or the white gas, the Coleman stuff, and you can get that stuff all over the world. Whereas like the butane deals and all that, you can't really get it. Now I I did put out a I, I did when I went over to um, over to the Philippines. I brought a little stove with me, and it's uh, I brought one of these little stoves that uses the solid fuel um, because uh, I, I was under the mistaken impression that you could fly with it, and I flew with it. Um, but uh, as it turns out, you're not supposed to fly with um, any kind of camping fuel, l let alone the liquids. So. Um, but I, I got a little Esbit um, stove for like five bucks that burns these little um, little tablets. Um, so now you can can you burn uh, can you can you burn you can fly with alcohol? No, you can't. You cannot no, you put cannot. alcohol in your check luggage. You cannot have. Um, well, you could you could sneak it into an Everclear bottle or something or into another bottle, but. You are not allowed to have um, camping fuels of any kind, and that, See, that would thought, include like marine stove fuel, which is methanol or anything. Right. And hmm. and and a lot of times, if you fly with your stove, if it if it even has vapors in the in the tank, they they won't let you fly with it. Okay, so a dual fuel weighs. Where's the weight? Believe it or not, they do not have the weight. Are you kidding me? It's it's not that much. I mean, it's heavier than it's going to be heavier than like your MSR Whisper Light or something like that. But it's not that much. And and basically, what I'm looking for for the for the guy that's a beginner is something that he's going to be able to use pretty much anywhere in the world. That's going to be reliable and is going to work, um, and that he's not going to have to mess with. And that's my choice for him. Yeah, and that is a, that. Is, I have a couple of these. These are really great stoves. Yeah, I still have my one from when I was in high school. So, yeah. see, they didn't have dual fuel when I was in high school. Well, <laughs> you, you were unlucky. <laughs> they had they had uh, uh, actually um, white gas or or kerosene. Yeah, were the were the choices that you could have back then. Yep. Um, but boy, I'm surprised that they don't give a weight for that. That just is bizarre to me it's not that See, I, I would it's, not consider this i would not consider this if i was trying to lightweight pack i would not no. consider this i would take i would get myself a vargo titanium alcohol stove they're okay um what are you going to do when it's cold though and I have the Vargo, yeah. and I use it. Yeah, and I well, love that's it. the issue. That's why I have the stuff that I have. Right. But. Well, and this this is what I'm saying. For you know, you can or you can. I've got videos up on how to just make your own alcohol stove out of a pop can. It won't cost you anything. It'll cost you the five cents that you would have gotten from the refund. You know, you can make them out of cat food cans. It's easy to do. It's just getting getting the fuel. You know. Right. And and, and being and having something that's reliable in um all weather conditions and and right. that's why for for me if i'm gonna if i can only have one it's going to be that coleman dual fuel 
and that's that's what my recommendation is. Also, if you're going to get a lantern, I you're not going to get a lantern if you're camping or whatever, but or backpacking. But if you if you're going to do some car camping and you want a lantern, um, get either go to Walmart and get those kerosene lanterns that are like five bucks, or yeah. um, if you have to have something better, get the Coleman dual fuel lantern. You know what? You know what I not like? Not the fuel canister and, and I, lantern. And I actually really like them a lot. Is the um, have you seen those little candle lamps? Yeah. Yeah, you can. I have a couple of those. Yeah. And I really, really, really like those a well, lot. You can make a you can make a really awesome. Um, it's called a prospector's lantern, where you take you have a coffee can, mm-hmm. and uh, you just take a wax candle and put it in the coffee can, and 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 burn it, and that'll that works as a flashlight, believe it or not. Right. You know, you just put a little handle on it, and just make tie a little handle or something so that you don't burn your hand. But those work great, um, and they they shed some good light. There's there's a lot of things you can do. You can take your water bottle and uh, your flashlight and just put your flashlight on the water bottle, and you've got a lantern. You know, it's the other thing. The other thing I will say is if they wanted to get the they wanted a dual fuel stove that costs a little bit more, that's a little bit smaller, you can pick up a uh, SIVA. Yeah, yeah. A one, two, three. Yeah, yeah. Whatever it is, one, two, three, with a pump. And you can burn anything in those. You can burn kerosene in those. You can burn uh, uh, gasoline. You can burn white gas. Yeah. Um, it's actually a, a tri-fuel with a pump. Yeah, so you know it's it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. You're going to spend a little money for it, but the the stove he's talking about, the one, two, three, is a very elegant stove. Yeah, it's um, very, it's just cute. Yeah, it's very very elegant. Um, for the for the longest time, back before all of this expedition stuff started becoming real popular, that was the stove. Mm-hmm. That Primus stove, that Hunter that you have. Yeah, was it was a is the military came up with that? Yeah. Um, and what is that one called? Is that one called the hunter or the backpacker? It's the hiker or the camper. It's a hiker. One of them is called a a camper. One of them is called a hunter. This is called the and hiker. And then, and the one that the one that uh, and the hunter is the eight R, right? I I don't remember. It's a, it's a little smaller, I think. And then and then the smallest one is is called the mountaineer, which would be the one two three. Is called the mountaineer. And that was what a lot of mountain pe- guys that were mountain climbing carried, because mm-hmm. they're fairly light and they they're very effective in the cold weather. Just like that one that you have, is very effective in the cold weather. Um, and and yeah. that's the one thing that when you're in when it's cold, that's what you need something like that. If you if you are absolutely positive that you are going to stay um, continental U.S. and that you will always be able to get Coleman fuel. Um, what you can get is one of the MSR stoves that uses the fuel bottle, so like a Dragonfly yep. or Whisperlite or one of Whisper these. Whisperlite. Those are which, awesome stoves. Which is, it's just, which is a misnomer because a Whisperlite is not whispery. <laughs> or light. <laughs> no, it's pretty light. It sounds, it's pretty light, but it sounds like a freaking jet. Yeah. So that was, the, that, that was the one thing that always cracked me up when I first got that. I was like, oh, this is a cool... And then you turn it on, and you're like, yeah. and you're going, what the hell? That just totally, like, destroys the mood. <laughs> yeah. Now, if, if you're looking for an alcohol stove for, with a really long burn time, um, one, of, one of my uh, cousins is, is into this sort of thing, and he's got one of those Trangias. 
and mm. and the one that he's got uh, has a, a he an hour and twenty minute burn time without refueling. Wow. Yeah, he's like super impressed with it. So if you want an alcohol stove, if you want to go that route, um, a Trangia. Again, I, I'm looking for something that's going to be all weather, um, and then. And then if I know I'm not going to be in, you know, freezing weather, then I'll then I'll swap another item in. I, I do like the one of the things stoves too. One of the things that that uh, I don't know if you figured out yet, but that stove that you have there, mm-hmm. the burner and tank come off of that out of that can. That, yeah, you uh, can take it container out. Yep. So so all of a sudden that you take out quite a bit of the weight right there. Yeah, you take by not carrying the container out, on like the outside. Yeah, but I, yeah. I I'm just. I'm not going to use that for backpacking. I'm just going to use it for car camping and stuff. And that, that thing see, is going to be awesome for car camping. The, the middle, the, the smaller version of that, mm-hmm. I have actually take, uh, taken with me on a day, on like a day hunting hike, uh-huh. where I've got my meal, I want to warm it up, mm-hmm. I want a cup of coffee, mm-hmm. I, can, I can warm it up, make a pot of coffee with it. So I, it's not like I haven't used those before yeah. in in that situation because I but they're but the smaller one is better. Yeah. Well, and I've I've backpacked um, and done the same thing that you're describing with that Coleman dual fuel. Yeah. You know, so six of one, half dozen of the other. If you're if you absolutely don't want to carry the weight of a stove and mess with it, you better know how to build a fire, and you better yep. know how to cook over it. Um, yep. And you know that's what I do. Most of the time in the wilderness, I don't even mess with a stove, but it really is nice to have the convenience of the stove. Uh, well, in the wintertime, it's 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 very handy. Yeah. I mean, if um, you want some quick fuel and you don't want to mess around, like, it's really, really nice to have a stove. Well, and, and uh, like, let's say you're on, you're on a, a snowshoeing trip where you've got a small sled with your winter camping gear in it, a stove like that is not that, is not that heavy. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. and and I don't know. Does it tell you what the burn time is on one of those tanks? It's going to be a long time. It's I mean, there's I, a lot of volume in there. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of funny because I I fill mine up, you know, but I never really have run it oh, for it said, like it said like an hour and a half on high. Is is the burn? So time it'll cook that. an hour and a half on high. On high with that hmm. with the Optimus. Hmm. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah, can't argue. It's it's, it's fantastic, um, and it's all weather, and it's also all world, you know, because right. it'll burn whatever you want. Right. Anyway, now that's a great stove. You'll yeah, be happy I'm, with I'm that. excited to get it out and use it here. Um, we probably really better wrap it up this time. <laughs> we had a false right. one. <laughs> We're done. We're done, and we'll catch you on the flip flop. Yep. Yep. See you in a little bit. And. Uh, Oh, like us on on Facebook. We actually have a podcast uh, page now. Yep, the Knife Journal Um, podcast on Facebook. Knife Knife Journal podcast on Facebook. And um, join us on the website, knifejournal.com. And uh, look for the new app. uh, The new uh, update for the app will be out in the next uh, couple weeks. And you can find me on Facebook, um, K-R, last name, V-E-R, space, S-T-E-E-G, and uh, on YouTube, Average Iowa Guy. Um, uh, and those are the two real good ways of getting a hold of us, or at least me. Uh, and then yep. the forums. Although yep. it's been a few days since I've looked over there. 
They're probably up to it's probably just total anarchy over there right now. Yeah, probably. Just put I don't know, you know, corn and everything else. <laughs> Eldridge t- takes care of everybody. Yeah, he's he's keeping everybody in line, I suppose. All right, so we'll talk to you soon. Yep, and keep your have fun. <laughs> keep your knives sharp and your friends sharper. Yep. You know, you know what? Back up a second. We spoke very little of knives this time around. Actually, just, just saying. We, we just saying. Yeah, but we did night. We did. We did talk about knives, and we talked about. Oh, I got. Stuff, I got. Uh, a, I got a quick knife story. I meant to tell you this. Okay. I got. I got to zip this in there real quick. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> so I, so like I did surgery hour. the other day. Oh, I did boy. surgery the other day. My my wife is a BlackBerry fanatic. Yep. Okay. So she had a BlackBerry Pearl forever. Um. When I came back from overseas, I had a I had a BlackBerry uh, Bold that I retired and got a smart a different kind of smartphone. So I put my Bold away. It always had been an OtterBox, looked like brand new. I was trying to convince her that she needed it. She said no, 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 no. Until finally, her Pearl gave up the ghost. Mm-hmm. She takes my Bold and loves it. Mm-hmm. Falls in love with it. She says she's going to be the last BlackBerry user standing. <laughs> so so the other morning. She she gets in the shower and she left her BlackBerry on the coffee table. Stupid dog walks by, picks it up, takes a crunch out of it, throws it up in the air and leaves it on the floor. Takes out the keyboard and the screen. Oh jeez. So she finds that she's all PO'd. So we cannibalized the BlackBerry Pearl, took out the keyboard, took out the screen, actually did some adjusting with my Sage to get it to fit right. Had to trim the keyboard. Had to take some of the knots off the <laughs> knobs off the back of it to get it to fit in the right spot. Yeah. Um, took out the trackball and put in the trackpad on a keyboard that's not made for that. So we had to trim that all out with the, with the with the. So I did microsurgery, and the patient is doing well and <laughs> and survived. Very nice. Survived the major surgery. So that's my now, knife story prevent, for this week. To prevent, um, and I told him I told a good knife story. About getting caught with it in school and all that. Buck oh yeah, yeah. And we. Yeah, we but this has just happened the other day. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then <laughs> you know, my cousin did just call me about um, and text me and all that about the. So we talked about knives, but we talked yeah, a lot of survival, a I lot know. of it. You know, um, the other thing, um, you have a, a method of keeping your phone undamaged that you showed. What is that that you've got there? Which one? The thing that is broken currently, the Kydex is has a problem. Oh, 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 yeah. This is this is a uh, you know some people. I think it was called a tactical taco. <laughs> tactical taco. That, yeah, that could and be what it is a is a, it's ways. a ma- it's like a mag pouch. Okay. It's like a mag pouch, and it's 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 heavy duty nylon, and it's got some uh uh, uh bungee cord shock cord wrapped around the outside of it, and then it's got a piece of Kydex on the inside of it that is just like a U-shaped thing. Mm-hmm. And what happened is I, I wore this so much that I broke the U, but it is a absolutely great uh, phone uh, bag. Who, absolutely who great phone I don't remember the name. I mean, I bought it at, I bought it at uh, one of the shows, but it's a... If you, I think if you Google Tactical Taco, I'm gonna it'll do come that up. right now. Tactical Taco. Okay, yeah, I see it. Okay. Okay, so it's um. 
Yeah, okay, that's the one. HSGI Taco Modular Single Rife Magazine Pouch. And then how does it attach to your belt and stuff? Well, I've got these malice clips on it. Okay, is that that's not standard or? No, I know. Well, I think it actually I think it came with these. Okay. And then you just flip them over and clip them down, and so then that's the belt loop right there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And you can you can actually they're made to they're made to hook two to each other. Okay. And and I'll tell you what, this is the best phone case that I've ever had. Yeah. And, and well, they make one that's a double decker that has um, a thing for your. Uh, so you can have your phone in one and then a multi-tool in the other. Yeah. Double-decker taco, yep. that's called. Yep. Huh. So who makes this stuff? This is it's, Tactical Taco. Yeah, high-speed. One website you can get it at is high-speed gear, although I'm decidedly um, low-speed. Um, but it, it comes <laughs> in all sorts of different colors here. wonder what yep, I'd get. Maybe I'd get the, so I don't scare off the sheeple, I think I'd get the urban gray one. Well, you know what? I mine. This one is olive, uh-huh. and uh, I wanted to get a uh, a, uh, a desert tan one or a coyote. Yeah, they they, tan they one. make it. They make it in right. coyote and brown and, and the guy um, the guy that uh, uh, yeah coyote brown. The guy that had it for sale did not have one in that color while I was there because apparently it's extremely popular. Yeah. So um, that was why I didn't have one of those. Okay. But yeah, the coyote that being brown said, looks good. What's that? It looks good in coyote brown. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And they're and they're very like I said, they're they I've had this for a couple of years now and yeah. I wear it every single day. Yeah, and it's really a awesome. uh a spectacular uh um piece of kit. And I and Ooh. I just broke the damn after all these years I just broke the damn uh uh side of it. Yeah. So I'm but trying your, to get Greg to, your, to make one of these out of fits, leather, but he fits won't. fits well in there pretty then, yes. right? Yes, yep, okay. and, and it, it doesn't fall out. It doesn't just fall out because yeah. it's got that it's got, got like that little spring action going on. Okay. Yep, yep. Um, so that's that's my piece of kit for the day. And uh, so this is third time's a charm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> We're going to end it? <laughs> what is this, like All right. three hours? Talk to you soon. Yeah, keep your... Friends sharp and your knife sharper. Oh, no, 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 no. Keep your knife sharp and your friend sharper. Yep. Talk to you soon. Yeah, bye. Bye.